Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Thanks, Michaela. Morning, everybody. It's good to be back. It's been a few weeks. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed uh, all the words and messages. Uh, but yeah, it's so good to be back. Um, and it's cooling off. Amen to that. Come on. Man. Um, all right. Well, happy Life Group Sunday. This is, this is a fun little Sunday. But um, being the age that I am and the culture as it's changed, it's really hard to kind of find a common movie or TV show anymore because not everybody watches the same thing, right? So, uh, like, the last one I kind of remember culturally, I guess, would be Lost. You remember that show, Lost? Um, Game of Thrones, I, I don't even want to mention that, but um, that was kind of the last cultural kind of show that people watch. But uh, there is, there is, there was one movie that released in 2006, uh, Disney uh, released their second franchise movie of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. How many have seen that one? Come on. I was like, I think this is a winner. Dead Man's Chest. I think most people have seen this one. Anyway, but the nemesis of this movie, if you recall, is Davy Jones. Davy Jones, the octopus face spurned lover of the sea goddess Calypso. Anyway, in that movie, he's the, he's the captain of this ship called the Flying Dutchman. You remember that? Flying Dutchman. Well, this tale is taken from legend. Really, the Flying Dutchman is a historical real ship. The real captain of the Flying Dutchman was Captain Hendrik Vanderdecken, and he was employed by the Dutch East India Company, carrying spices and silk from the Netherlands, uh, Amsterdam, all the way to India and back uh, during the 17th century. And on his way back from India to the Netherlands, he rounded the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa. And as he rounded the Cape, a terrible gale sprung up, threatening to capsize the ship and drown all aboard. The sailors urged their captain to turn around, but Captain Vanderdecken resisted and refused, and the Flying Dutchman in 1641, was sunk by that storm uh, around the Cape of Good Hope. But since then, Captain Vanderdecken and the Flying Dutchman have been seen sailing his ghost ship the world over. For the past 300 years, sailors have seen or, try, or you know, attested to the fact that they saw the Flying Dutchman. Sailors claim the Dutchman led ships astray, causing them to crash on hidden rocks or reefs. And what's interesting is that through the cold and warm winds and airflow, these mirages of ghost ships for sailors appear historically time and time again. And so for many, uh, it was the Flying Dutchman that these mirages would be attributed to. In the same way, certain mirages in our life can actually keep us from our destination. And when it comes to our spiritual growth, we can get hit with some 
debilitating mirages or illusions that get us off track, that can lead us astray and can shipwreck some. And it keeps us from being equipped and trained by the living God to do the works that he's prepared in advance for you to walk in. And so many of us have fallen victim to these certain spiritual mirages and we can get caught believing things that are not real and it can sabotage our growing faith. So I just wanted to kind of highlight just a few of these mirages that can come our way. Mirage number one, kind of the big one, the world will fulfill me. Mirage number one, the world will fulfill me, that whether it be a dream, a car, a spouse, a certain level of wealth, reaching some crown achievement, having a a dream in your heart to be or do something significant out in the world, there's this thought, there's something out there in the world that I need to feel whole. And these present in our imagination in our desires, in our motives, and deep down there's this whisper, there is something in particular out in the world that will make me feel whole. It reminds me of a story Jesus told to his disciples. In Luke 15, he tells this story. Just to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want, a sh- I want my share of your estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, in Jewish culture, that would have been a shocking introduction. That a man had two sons, and before the father was able to leave an inheritance to his children upon his death, the son asks it earlier. Meaning, I care about your wealth. I could care less about you being my father. I want only what you can give me. So it's kind of a shocking little introduction. It says, a few days later, so the the father obliges, gives this young man his inheritance early. A few days later, this young man packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. I could imagine the meditations of his heart while he was still in his father's house was this mirage, that there is something out there in the world that the world has to offer that can make me feel whole, complete, happy all the time. And about that time, his money ran out, as money does. Amen? (laughs) Tends to to run out. A little quicker now than a few years ago. Anyway, uh, about that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. The world didn't have much to offer. And then in verse 17 it says, But when he finally came to his senses, this is the pivotal sentence in this whole story finally came to his senses. It's as if that veil was removed, like he saw true reality. He saw his brokenness. He saw his true condition, that he was trying to probably dress up every day. Ah, the pods aren't bad. But when he finally came to his senses, and the story goes on, and it says that he thinks, I'll return to my father's house, at least if I could be a Servant, servants, I'll be treated better than here. 
And so he goes back, and it's a very popular story. Most of you know it, but it says that the father was looking out for his son, and he saw his son at a, at a far distance, and he ran towards him. That would be kind of another shocker. The father, probably in a Jewish culture, would wait for that son to come to him to make sure that he had learned his lesson and to see the state and the shame that he may have brought on the entire family by going and wasting half the inheritance. But that father couldn't care less about the reputation. He runs straight to his son and embraces him. And he's like, man, I'm going to give you, he's like, I'm going to give you your robe, your ring, and your shoes back. I'm going to restore you as a son. This is a beautiful picture of what one life that can get caught in this mirage of that there's something out in the world, but there, then there comes this point, hopefully, in your life where there's like, I came to my senses. I came to my senses that there's nothing really out. All these are cul-de-sacs leading me to mirages that, that don't satisfy came to his senses. He returns, restored by a merciful and loving Father. And that's what Jesus trained into his disciples. His training, if you think, Jesus' training of his disciples did not look like sending them off individually to lead a hard life, live a hard life, come to the end of themselves, and then come to their senses, come back, then God could use them. No, that wasn't Jesus' training at all. He put these people from diverse backgrounds all closely together. And they came to the end of themselves much faster <laughs> through, the, through being in, in a boat, in a campfire, walking around village to village. That through that process, God was shaping these disciples to carry the greatest message ever known to mankind to the ends of the earth. And he used average people, which is like, praise God, that's good news for you and me right? Average people to turn the world upside down. They became a kingdom family together as Jesus taught them how to live in spirit and in truth in God's new kingdom that he was birthing. His new family engaged in the Father's business and the Father's mission. You know, boats sink not because of the water around them, but because of the water that gets in them. So don't let the mirage of the world fulfilling you get a hold of your heart and sink your ship. Hebrews 12, 13 says, So take a new grip on your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. I love that. In, that, in this verse, there's this picture of marking out a straight path not only for your own life, but for the lives of those that are looking upon your life, that might follow your life. And I don't know how many people that have lived a sabotage life because the one that they were following got off course, and they couldn't comprehend that. So mark out a straight, feet, a straight path for your feet. Jesus knew that we needed brothers and sisters in Christ to be used by him to bring us into maturity in Christ. So it's a good thing. In the kingdom of God, you will always find two people, brother abrasive and sister sandpaper. Brother abrasive, sister sandpaper. I grew up in the church. 
But it wasn't until God grabbed a hold of my heart and put me with a team of people that wouldn't let me get away with my brokenness. And Sister Sandpaper and Brother Abrasive helps us learn how to have conflict and resolution, how to come to understanding with one another. Maybe not in absolute full agreement, but I understand you. Blind spots. We all have blind spots. Courage, giving you courage to defeat your giants. Psalm 90.12 says, So teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. Your days are numbered. How do you get wisdom? The fastest way for you to get wisdom is get around God's people and find the treasure that's in them. But I'm moving too fast. Okay, mirage number two. So that's mirage number one. The world has something to offer. Mirage number two, many Americans struggle with this uh, second mirage. Mirage number two, I got this. Mirage number two, I got this, right? This is the mirage of self-reliance. And we have this attitude. It's, it's born and bred. It's born and bred in our culture, independent, self-reliant. It could come through, uh, 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 for me, it kind of came through my parental figure. My dad was born in 1930. He was 43 when I was born. He kind of grew up kind of Great Depression mindset. And, uh, man, it was uh, you better be independent and you better be self-reliant. You better not be a drag on other people around you. I mean, that was ingrained in me from birth. Be independent. Be self-reliant. And rely on your own pride. I mean, our own flesh kind of, we're already prone to that. Relying on our own pride, our own independence. And this mirage keeps our hearts from wanting to go deeper in kingdom relationships. I got this. And we come into the kingdom with a view of the world that's been largely defined by the values of the world. Like I said, independence, reliance, having it all together pressure. And we may have had some hurts and some reasons for mistrust along the way, and that reinforces it. I need to be independent. I need to be self-reliant. I got this. But a life lived like that ends up isolated, atomized from other people, which have treasure hidden in them that you need. Here's a kingdom truth. There's kingdom treasure in other people that you need to be a fully functioning follower of Christ and to walk in the purposes that he's made you for. There is. God made you interdependent. God made us interdependent upon one another. Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything that he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now, this is speaking definitely of finding the, tre the treasure of the kingdom of heaven living fully free of your sin and, and God healing your brokenness and living the life that this original design life that he's made you for. But this treasure is also kind of hidden in other people. And uh, it's kind of a secondary interpretation, that, but, but it's like that treasure is hidden in other people. And while people have treasure, guess what they also have? A lot of dirt. Hey, oh, that's, what, that's what's on the reservation here. It's not just the treasure. There's a little dirt sprinkled in that. And we all have that. 
We all have dirt. But there's treasure in there that God wants you to learn from, to grow from, to be challenged by. There's this thought that it's like, man, I need what's inside of them. That's how you grow in the kingdom of God. You observe. Like, who are the faithful ones? Who are the, who are the loving ones? Who are the ones that serve? Who are the ones that host really well? Who wants to love people? Man, I need what's inside of you. And as a college student, man, I would, I would get outside the kind of bubble of college and get around families. Or how about if you're in post-college? Man, get finding some peers that are fully on fire for Christ and team up and see what God may do. If you're married or a parent, it's getting what's inside other people so you can learn. God put coaches and people around you for a purpose. So we must see and recognize the moment that we're in to be hungry to seek out that treasure hidden in people that he's placed around you. And the last mirage that we'll hone in, there's a lot of mirages that we kind of hit in life, but the third one that I'll kind of highlight is this one. I have little to offer. Mm. Mirage or illusion number three that keeps us from fully entering into the purposes of God is this thought of I have little to offer. What do I have to give? And, they, and it starts off, and we may feel this way very deeply. And why do we feel this way? It's because it's insecurity plus knowing our own history. It's we know, we're very aware of our weaknesses and our gaps, other than pride. Pride tends to kind of sneak around the blind spot. But we're pretty aware of our mistakes. But here's the fact. That God made you with intention and an original design that he wants to see made real through your life. That's a fact. And I'm not sure how familiar you are with the scriptures, but time and again, God takes the weak things of this world, transforms them, and makes them strong. Thinking about your own life, the time you connected strongly with God, if you have, More often than not, it's probably a moment where you were fully honest, like that prodigal son. You were fully honest with where you're at. You're fully honest with the condition of your life, your weakness. And when you got real with your weakness, Jesus was there to lift your head and fill you with his peace, with his strength, with his wisdom that you need in that moment. That's what God does. He takes the weak things of this world and he makes them strong. And all of us walk into the kingdom of God weak. And we need to be trained so we can be made strong by God. Strangely enough, most of those times in my life were when God used other people around me to call me up, to level up in my maturity. And here's a truth secret. This will take a little weight off. Here's true. You listening? Nobody knows how to do relationships perfectly. Nobody. Nobody. You may fear, I don't do relationships well. It's just easier with me and Jesus. Well, the fact is, we all don't do relationships well by nature. It's something that is practiced, experienced, grown in. And that's the very reason why we need relationships, so we can be better at them. And when we get better, when we're... We're able to help others more. 
so on and so on. Jesus and his new kingdom gives us a consistently lived out theology. You say you love God, but you treat people poorly. You say you're a servant of God, but you don't know how to serve others. A lot of times we we kind of in our own conceptual mind think we're so close to Jesus, but then you put the mirror on our lived out life. Oh, baby, reality hits. And you're like, man, there's, there's some inconsistencies here. I know God has called me to love people, but ah, I don't know how to do that really. Well, how do you learn? You throw your life in with the people of God, and you ask God, God, train and equip me to be your man or woman in this hour. As a disciple of Jesus, if you've responded to the call of him to come to, to follow after him, he asked you to offer all of who you are to God, to mold, shape, sharpen, empower, grow into maturity. So, in conclusion, don't get caught up in the mirage of thinking that the world has something to offer. You are made in the image of God, immortal spirit. It has nothing to offer through the workings of, well, we're going to go there, but workings of fallen angels and fallen men, most of what the world offers is there to enslave you. Mm. Break free from that illusion. It's got nothing to offer. Nothing but God himself can fill that void, in the words of Blaise Pascal, and make you feel whole. And don't think you've got this because the world is serving up some doozies these days, and you're going to need the people of God he's placed around you. So embrace it. And lastly, don't think for a second that with his Holy Spirit living in you, if you've surrendered your life to him, that he does not give you the strength, the passion, the service, and the ability to be a blessing to other people. So now's the time to kind of set things on a right path. And many many feel... If I could just speak plainly, many feel kind of hard times ahead. Hard times ahead. And we can kind of get into, I don't want to get into kind of all the cultural analysis of that. But there's this kind of general feeling, yeah. Yeah, that, that might be true. Well, if that's true, while it's needed and important to kind of know what's truly going on out in the world, God is calling us to draw our attention and affection to Him and His kingdom. Because that's the only way that you and I and God's people can be truly a city set on a hill, a light to give to people. And the more you throw your life into the purposes of God, the greater that light will be. It's not you playing ride the fence and you kind of dancing with the world and dancing with the kingdom of God. God wants you all in to be the light that he's made you for. So, Let this season be the season where you prioritize the kingdom of God. If you have yet to throw your life in a life group, this is the message. That's the conclusion uh, main point. Throw your life into these life groups. It's really where the family of God, where you truly get to experience the camaraderie that your heart is crying out for, closeness that you need, and the training that Jesus wants to train you in and for. And so the most potent way you can do that, again, is jump in a life group. In our life groups, we share a meal together. We dive in the word together. We discuss how the word interfaces with real life. We kind of get to answer some of those 
hard questions or maybe those lagging questions that are still there. And so we have kind of four groups throughout the week. They're going to launch next week. Uh, Michaela, if you're on our little listserv, uh, a little link is in your inbox right now. Uh, so if you're on that listserv, you can pull that email up, or you could just kind of go to our website, citylifekt.org forward slash life groups. But here's our kind of four groups throughout the week. On Tuesdays, 6.30 in Olathe, uh, that is at the Gebford House, and uh, that's a fantastic group, and uh, all these are fantastic. Um, anyway, praise God. All these are fantastic, so you can't, you can't miss, seriously. The meals are delicious, seriously. The meal, there's something about sitting down with someone and sharing a meal and sharing life, man. There's something sacred in that. So anyway, uh, Tuesdays, 6.30, South Plaza, um, that's uh, the O'Briens are leading that one and the Canards. Wednesdays at 6 o'clock, South KC, that's the Snodgrass House and uh, Snodgrass Group. Uh, Thursdays at 6.30, that's in Miriam O.P., and that's the Jensen's house. So jump in next week, these launch. So prioritize. If you really want to move your life for spiritual growth in this season, and you have yet to jump in one of these, this is it. This is the next step. This is how you level up in your spiritual life in God. So with that, anything else? Sign up. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for this family, this spiritual family that you have grown, that, uh, God, this is, this is your house. And, God, we thank you so much that you're our king and our leader. And, Father, I pray that, that God, this season, God, you would train and equip us for life and godliness. God, that you would uh, put a level-up picture in each and every one of our hearts and minds of what you're calling us up into. Father, not based upon shame or, hey, you're kind of behind the eight ball, you really know, but just a picture of, God, what you're calling us up to. God, even the kind of the community and the spiritual family, God, that you've called us to create. And Father, I thank you for each culture over these life groups. God, it's so potent. It's so powerful. God, almost everyone that walks through those doors of life groups, God, experiences your life experiences your transformation. God, that's what we're here for. God, we're here for you. And we're here to get trained and equipped to walk in the good purposes that you've planned for us long ago. Father, I thank you for, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity we get to grow closer with one another. God, I pray that, Lord, if there's any of those mirages that have kept us from taking a deeper step in your kingdom. God, I pray that you would blow those off of us right now in Jesus' name. God, if it's a lie that there's something out in the world, God, I pray that you would break that lie over our life in Jesus' name. God, if it's a self-reliance, a self-reliant spirit, and God, we, are, we have a hard time laying down our pride, Father, I thank you that, Lord, it's the one that comes in humility that learns from you that grows and is transformed by you. And Father, Lord, we just thank you, God, for what you're doing in and around our life. And Lord, I even pray for that last mirage, Lord, that, that there's people in here that have little to offer. 
That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. You have treasure that God has put in you from before you were born. And you placing your life in the midst of God's people will see that treasure come alive in you. That's how God designed us, to learn and grow. So God, I thank you for this next season. God, I pray that you would bless every life group. Let it be filled with your spirit. Let it be filled with your peace and your presence. God, to have us be your people in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.